What is it that makes something irresistible? We all have our vices. For me, it's horror movies and carbs. Give me a night alone and I'll eat myself sick on pizza and beer while singeing my nerves on cosmic horror. It's a total recipe for tossing and turning and wicked nightmares. So why is it my favorite thing? Why when I hear the words, I'll be home late tonight, am I itching for that uncomfortable fix? It feels like an addiction. My little secret. And there are all kinds of addictions in our lives. Some are obviously hazardous, while others might seem innocent at first. Like a simple, time-killing mobile game. A game so easy and rewarding that it becomes harder and harder to put down. Just one more combo. Just one more quick fix. Well, what if that game got so irresistible you just couldn't stop? That's what tonight's story is all about. So grab your headphones, find a safe space, turn down the lights, and fall in to haunting season. Quinn was always a better student than I was, until he downloaded Pukachin's Playhouse. He was the kind of guy who would skip going out for drinks on a Friday night to review for a test on Monday. We had been roommates since freshman year, and I never saw him get sick or skip class even once. He took 18 credit hours and was double majoring, and at first I thought he was just a nerd without a social life, but when the other guys on the floor gave him shit for never hanging out... He replied, I'm not paying 20 grand a year to get trashed and dick around. When he put it like that, I respected it. I started studying with him more, and we grew to be buds. We even signed up for classes together. Having him around made me work harder. He was always getting a few more points than me on exams and praise from the professors for his answers in class. It was friendly rivalry. He doesn't even bother to show up for class now. Hell, I haven't seen him out of bed in weeks. A lot of people don't come anymore. The lecture hall I'm sitting in during this world religious class we were taking together is only half full now. But two months ago, there was an ass in every seat. And then the app dropped. The first time I saw it was when I caught Quinn playing it in the middle of class. Sitting next to me with his notes open on the desk before him, I I thought he was just reading as the teacher's assistant droned on. And then I noticed the phone in his lap. He was staring at it intently, tapping methodically on the screen. I'd never seen him distracted during class before, and I actually got worried. Maybe his dad was back in the hospital and his mom was sending him updates. But then I caught a glimpse of the screen. He wasn't texting. (laughs) It was a game. The TA called on Quinn and he didn't hear her at first. He didn't notice at all until she repeated his name much louder obviously annoyed. His head snapped up and he put on a nervous smile asking to repeat the question. I was straight up stunned. He is always the perfect student, to the point of being obnoxious. I'd never even seen him leave a lecture to take a piss before. What game is that? I asked him when we were packing up for class. I don't know, some matching game, he replied, shouldering his bag as we started to walk to our usual lunch spot. Pukajin's Playhouse. I was waiting for the bus for like half an hour yesterday, and so I downloaded it. He pulled out his phone again as we walked, and to my annoyance, started playing. 
It's just fun, I guess. You you want to play? Can we grab something to eat first? I'd kill a man for a burrito right now. He laughed and put his phone away long enough to walk with me to our usual lunch spot. And after I'd gotten something in my stomach, my hangriness settled down long enough for him to show me what the game was all about. In between bites, he used his thumb to swipe through various screens, giving me the general premise while chewing his food. It was a pretty typical mobile game, the kind you see anybody killing time with. Put the colored gems in order, and they explode in a sparkling rush of serotonin and glimmering sound effects. In this particular variation, you solve these puzzles to win items that you could give to the main character, Pukachin. Pukachin was the usual cutesy avatar, drawn as an ambiguous animal person with big shiny eyes and a friendly smile. When he gave Pukachin a gift, hearts would flutter around her and she'd bounce up and down and say, Puka! in a high-pitched, cheerful voice. Quinn fed her a treat to show me, and he grinned stupidly when she made that noise. I just think she's cute, he said, getting lost in another round while I ate beside him. I didn't say it to his face, but it was not my thing at all. I've never been a huge fan of taking care of a clump of pixels and programming. I played The Sims once when I was a kid, and I drowned the whole family out of boredom after an hour. Life is tedious enough without replicating it digitally. But Quinn was very into this game. He was playing it in his upper bunk later that night. I know because he'd turned the sound on, and I could hear the sound effects as he moved through round after round after round. There was a congratulatory fanfare and an annoyingly pleased Puka! He leaned down over the side of the bunk with a dopey grin. Dude, check this out. Limited edition outfit I just won. Isn't it cute? Pukachin was on the screen, twirling in a long lavender evening gown getup. I wondered how the artist was able to render it so well over her weird little lumpy body. Was she a dog girl? A fox girl? I couldn't tell. Her tail came out through the hole in the back of her dress and wagged furiously. Cool. I'm gonna pass out. Can you put headphones on? I rolled over and pulled the covers up. That shrill puka still ringing in my ears. Sure thing, dude. I could hear the tapping of his fingers against the screen as I fell asleep. When I woke up, he was still tapping and his eyes were bloodshot. He asked me to buy him breakfast because he drained his small bank account refreshing his lives in the game. Soon this stupid game was everywhere. No matter where I went, I was hearing the familiar sound effects and that stupid, chirping voice. On the campus shuttle, in the cafeteria, and even in the library. There's no escape from Pukachin, and I was so ready for the craze to die down. Quinn and a few others pressured me to download the game at one point, and it was on my phone for like half a day. Pukachin sent me incessant push notifications to come and play, but I, I think my crappy old phone couldn't handle the graphics, and the game would glitch out whenever I tried to give her gifts. The last glitch gave her too many eyes over her big, friendly grin, and I deleted it after that. It was constantly asking for money for more gameplay anyway, and I hate those kinds of scams. Now there are ads everywhere for the game, and it seems like everyone is playing. There's a girl down the row tapping her phone screen while the professor lectures, and I'd, I'd bet anything she's grinding to feed Pukachin. These seats are all empty because the game announced a limited edition drop at noon, some kind of new skin or an upgrade or something. 
Quinn, hidden in his top bunk with his back to me, had mumbled something this morning that only a dirty casual would miss it. I cracked off something about how rank he smelled so he would know, but he didn't reply. He just kept tapping. The lecturer changes a slide on the screen, and, and there's a single word in large capital letters across the wall. Prayer. He speaks. Across almost every major religion on earth, there's an active devotion towards a deity that we generally call prayer. This act can be a highly ritualized act or spontaneous, but however it's performed, it all can be summed up as the focus of energy towards achieving a favorable outcome. This definition could describe all sorts of daily actions. You students focus your energy towards the favorable outcome of graduating, one would hope. <laughs> this is not considered prayer. For an action to count as prayer, there is an element of transaction involved, yeah? You focus your energy to send your wishes to a supernatural presence with the hope that those wishes will be granted. In some religion, especially older forms of paganism, offerings uh, factored into gaining the love of your god or goddess and having your wishes granted. It was believed that the more thought and devotion you showed your god of choice and the more followers you converted, the more powerful the god would grow. The lecturer was interrupted by a muffled but insistent puka, and I waited for him to go off on someone for gaming during class, but instead he just reached into his pocket and pulled out his own phone, tapping the screen. After a moment, he seemed to remember us. Uh, that's all for today. Yeah. Finally, the girl down the road cheered as she shoved all of her stuff into her bag. It's almost time for the drop! A girl in front of her turned with a look of sheer joy. I know! I loaded all my book money for next semester. I better get something good. Grabbing my bag, I got out before I had to listen to any more. I was considering avoiding Quinn back at the dorm by hitting the library, but there was a small crowd in front of the door all grouped around their phone screens. A few of them looked up at me as I approached. They had that same joyful grin the girl from the class had plastered on their faces, but their eyes were piercing and expectant. I veered away and, and headed to the dorms, trying to ignore the clumps of people in the quad. On the way into the dorm, I caught eyes with a kid from our floor in the lobby. Happy to come across someone not glued to their phone screens, I opened my mouth to ask if he would want to grab lunch. But before I could get the words out, he smiled at me like he was sharing a cherished secret. She's coming. <laughs> He whispered, his voice overjoyed. There were tears in his eyes. My blood ran cold. I didn't know what that meant, but the phone in his hand chirped a resounding puka, and I dodged into the stairwell as fast as I could, bolting up the steps two at a time to my floor. I raced down the hallway, avoiding everyone I came across in a mad dash to get back to my room can't be sure, but I swear they all had phones in their hands. Their backs hunched over, so their wide, glazed eyes were inches from their screens. The last few of them were openly weeping. The clock tower bells rang out that it was noon, and across the campus, across the city, across the country, there was a collective intake of breath 
as millions of people staring at tiny, bright screens focused their energy on an avatar they'd given all their love, their money, and energy to. As the last bell rang, I stopped short just inside the doorway, greeted by a skeleton. It was Quinn, and, and the smell of him was overpowering now that he wasn't hidden under layers of blankets. He'd finally gotten out of the bunk, and I realized it was truly the first time he'd left in days. His filthy, greasy skin was tight against the bones of his arms, where his metabolism had cannibalized his muscles for sustenance as he devoted himself to playing puzzle after puzzle to feed his digital goddess. His fingertips were all open sores from repeatedly being bludgeoned one after another against the hard glass screen. I could see the bone of his index finger, and I fought the vomit that rose in my throat. He must have heard me drop my bag in surprise because his eyes slowly unpeeled themselves from whatever was strobing spasmatically across his phone screen. His gaze didn't settle on me, though. It settled over me. A rapturous smile spread across his face, and he slowly pointed the bony index finger at the space behind me. She's here, he whispered reverently. A blood vessel in his brain burst, spilling red into his left eye. His mouth twitched up at the corners in relief, and he dropped dead on the floor. And before I could react, the hairs on the back of my neck raised as I felt something tremendous shift the air behind me. She sounded pleased. Good evening, world, and welcome to my new segment exclusively for the podcast. I'm calling it The Office because every time my wife Courtney and I watch a scary movie, we always put on an episode of The Office as a palate cleanser to make us happy and try and prevent the nightmares. I have a special guest with me in the office tonight, but before I introduce him, I have an exciting development for you. We've been growing here at Haunting Season. I've got the pod, which I'm now adding this segment to. We've got the YouTube show, which is a visual version of the story, usually just me standing in a black void, telling the story campfire style. And we've got the TikTok, which last time I looked, just passed 120,000 followers. And because of the success on that platform, we were able to secure our first sponsor for the show. So... This episode of Haunting Season is brought to you by Mixtape Massacre. Last night, Cody and I hosted the rest of the Haunting Season team to play the game. If you're unfamiliar, Mixtape Massacre is a 1980s-themed slasher killer board game where you pick a supernatural being and you roam the town of Tall Oaks, racking up the kills, collecting gruesome trophies, and brawling with the other players. Mixtape Massacre was kind enough to send us a copy of the game in exchange for an honest review and some ad space. And after playing it, I have to tell you, it's not only fun and easy to play, it took about 15 minutes to learn and set up, but it's chock full of amazing art, character backstories, movie references, and exciting gameplay. If you're interested in buying the game or just want to check out the amazing visuals, go to hauntingseasonpod.com mixtape. That's hauntingseasonpod.com mixtape we will find a special code for 10% off, which, you know, isn't bad at all. And now that we've gotten that squared away, I'd like to welcome to the office, Max from Scream Kings Podcast. Max, welcome on. Hello. I love that I'm joining the office today. It's one of my favorite TV sitcoms of all time. Um, most days I identify as an Oscar, but more than Oscar, I identify as a Kevin. So let's get this going. 
I completely understand that, especially because like at the end of playing the game last night, I dropped uh, the pieces and they went everywhere. And I just that I really just felt like Kevin with the chili in that moment. One of TV's greatest moments, really. Pure art. <laughs> that and when uh, Creed walks on and says, is somebody making soup? So we met a few weeks back when I came on your show to break down the film Anything for Jackson, which was such a great episode. It was so much fun. But for people who haven't listened to that episode and don't know your show, uh, why don't you give them a breakdown real quick before we start talking about the story? Yeah. Um, So I'm the co-host of a horror movie slash literature review podcast, Screen Kings podcast. Me and my best friend from high school, his name is Nathaniel Darkish. Uh, We've been doing the podcast for about four or five years now. Um, Our bread and butter is we take a movie such as anything for Jackson or The Conjuring or any pick any kind of horror movie out there. And what we do is we review the movie, talk about its pros, talk about its cons, what it did well, what it didn't do well. Um, But my favorite part actually is we then kind of go in and dive into either the literary origin of the story the occult origin of the story um, and break down the movie and try and relate it to kind of a, where did it come from? Where did these ideas originate? Um, we, we have a ton of fun with it. My co-host is an English major, so he takes a lot of the more the literary approach and how does the plot develop and what are some of these common literary themes that we encounter. And I am a huge occult aficionado. Uh, I'm a novice demonologist, so I come at it from, okay, let's talk about the urban legends that inspired this story or the mythologies and the religions that really propagated this movie and its success. And kind of the mixing of those two is what we do first and foremost on the Scream Kings. And it's a hoot. Um, we, we have a lot of fun with it. And we're very gracious for this opportunity to be on the show. At least part it of It is us. a hoot. And you're very <laughs> humble about the demonologist part because um, there are you are just like a literal walking encyclopedia of horrible things. Uh, <laughs> that is kind. Um, I, I mean, I'm not is it? religious. <laughs> I mean, to me it is. Um, I'm not a religiously trained, you know, priest or whatever, but ever since I was a kid, I've had an extreme fascination with mythologies and different religions. I grew up in a very high demand Christian sect out here in Utah. Um, I've left that but that passion still exists. And so I find a lot of solace, a lot of catharsis in these stories, not only of, you know, pagan religions and pagan mythologies, but in particular about the demons themselves. Um, And that's why I think I'm so passionate about it is I I see a lot of myself in their, or a lot of myself in their tragic stories. Uh, I have Freudian slip there. Are there demons inside, Max? Uh, just a few, but <laughs> they're out for coffee right now. Uh, I'll deal with them later. Uh, but yeah, I mean, I take it very seriously. I have a whole cabinet in my house that is filled with all sorts of spooky things. Um, I have multiple grimoires that definitely, if you knew what you were doing, could be construed as some very black magic. Um, I have a Ouija board hanging up on my wall. Uh, I, mess I, with that. <laughs> I, I love the occult. Um, I am a, I've practiced in a few things. Um, the irony is I don't really believe in any of it. Um, but at the end of the day, I, I do take it seriously and I'm very passionate about it. So thank you for kind of recognizing that. I, that's yeah. nice of you. 
Yeah, well, I think that's the most fun part, I think, is um, you, you just know so much. Like, I'm known as the guy on TikTok who's, like, exploring all this stuff, but I'm really just doing these basic Google searches and, like, getting psyched about it. Like, I feel like people watch me because they want to see me excited about something, not because I necessarily know anything about it. Sure. Um, and so talking to you, I get to, like, learn some really interesting stuff. Um, speaking of collections, I just got, I'll have to show you, um, before we hang up, uh, back in my office, but, um, Memento Mori is a store in Burbank and okay. they're letting me borrow things to have on my shelf to freak people out during my lives. And last night I got a mermaid, um, it's a, like a mummified mermaid. Um, I'll have to show it to you. It's the weirdest, freakiest thing. I felt Love like it. I was going to get cursed touching it. Um, but yeah, if anybody, uh, this is, I guess, maybe a good time to mention. Um, if you go to my TikTok, in my bio is a P.O. box where you can send me stuff and I'll read it off at the end of the show. I don't have it pulled up right now. Um, but I, I would love for people to just send me like cursed things and horrible, freaky things, drawings, whatever. Um, and I'll give you a shout out. There is so, a whole, whole subculture on this on eBay. Actually, if you Google or, or eBay, I don't know, is eBay a verb um cursed <laughs> objects you can find all sorts of different dolls or dybbuk boxes or this or oh, that, no. that people are saying are cursed so uh definitely send josh everything and then he will call <laughs> me in a panic on what to do <laughs> i know i i should learn my lesson i'm currently reading a heart-shaped box about a guy who collects occult things and accidentally buys a ghost on ebay who's attached to a suit um, <laughs> so Pukachin's Palace, uh, well, that was the original title, but uh, we're calling it Rise of Pukachin because it sounded a little more ominous. <laughs> this episode was a little bit of an experiment. It was performed by me, but was actually written for the show by a friend of mine that I met in a horror writing class. And while I feel like I know them personally from our little chat box on our social network, <laughs> I actually don't know much about them other than they prefer to be known only as lore. Hmm. How I ominous. Know. That just yeah. makes Pukachin that more deadly to me, honestly. I know. <laughs> this came to me in secret. Um, uh, no, I actually, on my horror writing uh, like social network that I'm on, it's called Mighty Networks, um, I posted a submissions thing just to see what would happen, and I got this story. It was one of two stories that came in. Really beautiful story, if I say so myself. Um, can we dive in? To, yeah, to let's the- dive in. Um, I was really impressed um, how, I mean, it was, what, 12 minutes, maybe? Mm-hmm. Um, you reading the story, and it was very simplistic in its execution. And I don't mean that in a, a negative way. I feel like sometimes horror creators really try and go you know, full force with a lot of these stories. But Pukachin was just so simplistic that it caught my attention really quickly. And then I felt like it ramped up. Um, very fast, and it really kind of got under my skin a little bit, um, especially <laughs> the little Pukachin that you added, or the little ba-ding! Uh, um, it was good! Uh, lore, props to you! Um, wherever yeah. you are, whoever you are, like, I, it was great. It was really good. It's kind of funny. So, uh, Colby, my editor, did the first couple passes on it, 
And uh, I always like to get my hands on it before it goes out, just to add a couple extra like uh, really deep booms to it or like a little dark tone underneath where I think like, oh, well, I want to make sure people listen all the way through. So like a minute and a half in, I want it to like feel tense. Um, and one thing that we hadn't thought about doing was adding that puka. Um, and so I grabbed Mel, who helps with some of the creative stuff around here. Um, and had her just do like 10 or so of them. And I was going to change it slightly each time, but the more I copied and pasted just the same exact one, the more unsettled I felt <laughs> yeah, it was until like, that final one. It was like Pikachu becomes a Satanist and then creates a pact <laughs> with Legion to infect the world. Like it was, it was so cool and very original. I thought, you know, I, there's a lot of horror movies out there that kind of deal with a evil app. Um, there's even some horror video games. Persona five has this incredible plot about this app that gets downloaded on these kids games and it takes them to this alt universe where they have to fight demons and, Oh, that's so cool. Negative, physical, whatever. Um, and then you have games like Truth or Dare, too, that kind of revolve around this idea. But what I loved is, you know, Pokemon is so universally loved. And so to kind of take that idea, turning it into an app, that app slowly becomes nefarious and almost um, insidious in its design uh, was brilliant to me. And again, the simplicity that was the undertone of it all really just blew my mind. Is that the first uh, game you thought of because of, because of the name Pukachin? Uh, were you thinking of Pokemon Go? Um, yeah, I think so. You know, as I was listening to the story and they're talking about always clicking on their phone and their fingers on their phone, I realized like, oh shit, I had, was like five minutes ago playing Pokemon Go. I just caught a Pikachu <laughs> and now Pukachin is going to emerge out of my closet. And, um, and so that relatability was really cool. And I think it allows people to relate to the horror a little bit more. Um, you know, the yeah. thing with demons that is kind of frustrating to me when it comes to horror movies is oftentimes we see them as cloven hooves, great big horns, you know, these very kind of Catholic rendition of what the devil and his agents are supposed to be. But the scariest demons in my mind are the ones that are most human, the ones that are most relatable to us. And I think the Pukachin story did that very well as it takes something that we are all familiar with. I'm... 99% sure anyone listening to this has interacted with their cell phone today. Um, mm -hmm. So take that and make it evil. <laughs> and, and we and all know also, what that is. Like, some, you know, eight foot uh, pixelated <laughs> fox wearing a dress. Like, I don't know. I, I You know, some people, uh, I'll review movies and it'll have stuff like that in it or like a story that'll have something like that and people are like, those are scary. But if you saw it in real life, if you literally opened up your bedroom door and there was a cartoon fox standing in front of you, you'd freak out. Yeah. Yeah. You'd absolutely freak. Um, so all of this was really exciting to me, but really the crux for Max, the demonologist, was kind of the middle segment where it pulled in this idea of prayer. Um and this kind of idea that we're all on our phones constantly interacting with this ethereal uh, or ethereal kind of network internet type of a thing. And how is that any different from prayer? Um, 
as I was listening, it was just like light bulb, light bulb, light bulb. Like, oh my God, this is amazing. Uh, I've never heard that correlation before. And as kind of a, uh, a scholar of religions and mythologies and, and the esoteric, I was really moved by that and made me kind of look at my phone like, mm, I don't know about this. Yeah, praying praying to our phones, the false idol. Um, I, I definitely get that vibe from myself uh you know with the tiktoks i'll post something i'm like come on just let this one take off you know and when it does you get that quick fix you're like yes five thousand that's amazing Ooh, i'm gonna answer all the comments and then it's done and it's like okay now what now what oh yeah. all right instagram i'll go on instagram um it really reminded me of neil gaiman's masterpiece american gods that talks a lot mm. about the slavic deities of chernobog and belobog and odin even Wotan. And how there is this kind of spiritual war between these old gods that were revered and the development of these new technology gods, the social media god, the TV god, the, the radio god, and how humans at their core, we just, for some reason, need to worship. And whether you believe in a divine being and you worship that divine being by choice, that's great. However... Worship doesn't have to be spiritual in nature to be considered worship. Um, and that was just very moving. And, and again, it's such a simple story of Pukachin, this fox in a dress that, you know, needs to eat. It's basically a Tamagotchi. Um, yeah. But also, let's talk about, you know, the infability of humanity and how we need to worship technology. It's just, ah, it was good. It was so good. <laughs> yeah. And and for me also, like, I have a deep fear of being distracted, of losing time. I'm someone who works very, very hard. Uh, I literally was just on the phone with my wife being like, I, I need... I need to like unplug something this weekend because I'm, I'm burning at all the ends. Um, but I, I get fear of getting involved in something that I can't walk away from. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and it, it's almost, I mean, I don't want to hit the demons too hard, but it's a form of possession. Uh, it's an outside entity, an outside device, outside object, whatever you want to put the label as kind of controlling you and forcing you to do something that maybe you're not recognizing that you're doing. Um, and, and that, to me, is something that we talk a lot about on Scream Kings, is that the beauty of horror, a lot of people think that horror is just, you know, out to scare you. But there are some really deep and important messages that can be conveyed through the medium of horror genre. Um, and it's a tragedy that not a lot of people can see that for what it is. Uh, the catharsis and the lessons that you can interpret from horror media is powerful. Yeah, I think we should do a full hour on that at some point because I'm I'm currently developing my uh, kind of like I don't know to call it a thesis or, or um, I don't know. I would love to be invited to conventions and speak on um, how why horror is good for my mental health. Yeah, because. It's one of the healthiest things I do in my life is uh, watch and write horror stories. Yeah, and for me, I, I went through a really nasty divorce a few years ago, and that was kind of the beginning of my incredible fascination with horror, is I was able to, uh, the verb we like to use on the Scream Kings is cathart, uh, experience <laughs> catharsis through this horror medium of watching you know, Reagan get possessed and how it's destroying her family. And for 90 minutes, I'm not the one who has it so bad. The 
Reagan and her mom are going something, going through something much more dark and intense than I am. And if they can do it, so can I. Um, and again, this is a topic that would need a lot more time to fully dive into, but it's, it's powerful. People should not underestimate the power of horror. I absolutely agree. So um, my goal with these are to keep them short and sweet. Um, is there anything else about the story that we didn't mention that uh, you wanted to touch on? Nothing that I can think of. Really, it was short and sweet and powerful. And that's the best kind of horror in my mind. I agree. Well, thanks, Lore, so much for writing this. Um, I'm going to do the closing credits here and uh, send you guys on your way for an awesome week. Haunting Season was created by me, Joshua Sterling Bragg, and is a joint production of Believe Limited and Matt Geelan. This episode was performed by me, Joshua Sterling Bragg, but was written for Haunting Season by a mysterious friend of the show known only as Lore. This episode was executive produced by Matt Gielen, Ryan Gielen, and Patrick James Lynch, and was produced by Greg Holdsman. Edited by Colby Crow with select music created for the show by our good friend, synthwave genius, North Innsbruck. Check him out on iTunes. Creative support for the show comes from Cody Dugan, Jessica Richmond, Courtney Barber, and Mel Forrest. And finally, this episode was sponsored by Mixtape Massacre, an incredible board game where you can get to be a slasher killer in the 1980s. The game is filled with beautiful artwork and is fun and easy to play. For an exclusive discount code, check out hauntingseasonpod.com slash mixtape. And uh, hey, Max, thanks for being on the show. You guys all should go check out Scream Kings, uh, a really great entryway to that is the episode I was on about anything for Jackson which is also probably one of the best horror films made in the past couple years I would agree (laughs) thanks Max Um, definitely gonna have you on again and again so uh, everybody get used to Max I'm here and I'm not going anywhere